Hey Willow, I'm so glad that you guys are joining us today. And uh, this last week I saw this great article that I've been dying to share with you. So the article is a story of this five-year-old little boy who gets into an argument with his mom because he really wanted her to buy him a race car. And not just a little Hot Wheels car, a real race car. And she says no. Can you believe it? The nerve in that mom. How dare she? As we all know, schools are closed and his older siblings were helping out while the parents worked. And the little boy was was pretty angry. He was pretty frustrated. So he decides to take this whole race car thing into his own hands. This is a true story, remember. So he marches into his room, shakes out all the money out of his piggy bank and stuffs it into his pockets. And then he carefully tiptoes out of the house, climbs into the family SUV that's parked in the driveway, thinking to himself, if mom's not going to buy me a race car, I'm going to go drive to California to buy myself a real race car. So he starts up the car, five years old. He drives out of the neighborhood, five years old. And then two miles down the interstate highway later, a friendly police officer sees an SUV weaving through traffic. Because the kid's five years old. The police officer turns on the siren, pulls the cars over, walks up, and is shocked to see this little boy scoot up all the way to the edge of his seat so that his feet could just barely reach the pedals. And he's driving west to California with three bucks in his pocket to buy himself a real Lamborghini. Now, thank God he's okay. And and first, just for a moment, can we just applaud everyone who's keeping us safe right now? Like the police... The first responders, the healthcare workers, guys, thank you. I hope you know that Willow loves you. We're praying for you every day. Thank you for the way that you're serving us. And and second, can you imagine what those parents must be feeling? Pray for them. I read this article last week and I found myself thinking, the truth is I'm one step away from that happening in my house. I'm one step away from this whole thing falling apart. Uh, Maybe you're like me, but I find myself doing a ton of Zoom calls every day. Or I'll I'll get myself ready to record a message for you, and i got to make sure that I'm presentable from the waist up. And I want the background to look cool and clean and all that stuff. But, But if you were to take this camera and turn it around and look at the rest of my life, I think you'd see the messy reality, and it's this that this is really getting hard right now, hard for for all of us. Uh, By any measure, this is a difficult season for our families. It's difficult for our entire world right now. We have all been shaken by the COVID-19 virus and its fallout. You look at the medical toll. The medical toll is catastrophic. I've heard from healthcare workers on the front lines and to hear them speak, to hear the trauma that they're enduring. It just breaks my heart. Guys, they need our love, our support, and our prayers. And the the ripples of this virus, they're really affecting all of us. For many, social distancing is starting to devolve into social isolation. And I've been learning that for people, isolation is always dangerous. For people, isolation is always dangerous. Isolation is that forced separation from community. And we can survive it for a time, but isolation quickly moves us into some really dark places. It's always dangerous to us. You can look at and see this in science. 
I read this week about experiments where isolation can literally change our brain chemistry. When we are in high-stress environments and we're socially isolated, the stress hormones that are, that are swimming through our brain can literally double which doubles the worry we feel, it doubles the fear we feel, it doubles the self-doubt we experience. You see it in science, you see it in psychology that isolation is dangerous. When we're in crisis and we're cut off from others, we often hear the whispers of insufficiency and self-doubt. We, we think to ourselves, I'm alone because I'm not enough. I'm too this or I'm too that. And it doesn't matter if the voices aren't true Slowly, we find ourselves slipping into this downward spiral of isolation that leads to shame, which leads to more isolation, and the cycle just traps us. And we've seen the rise in what I'm seeing called pandemic alcoholism and in depression. We can see that isolation, it's it's dangerous when we look at science. We see it in psychology, and you can see it in scripture, Isolation does not bring the life that God wants for you. In John chapter 10, Jesus, in one of his more famous uh, quotes, says this. He says, I came so that you may have life and life to the full. God wants you to experience the fullest life possible. From the very beginning, right after God created us, he quickly says that it's not good for us to be alone. God's design for you and me, it involves social connection, not isolation. Social isolation doesn't lead to life. Now, look, don't hear me wrong, guys. I'm not saying we should stop social distancing. But what I am saying is that for us to stand strong in a shaken world, we need social connection. We need distanced socializing. We need connection, but not just any kind of connection. We need connection with a mission. Here's what I mean. If you brought your Bibles with you, go ahead and and grab them and open them up to Hebrews. We're going to be in chapter 10. And in the book of Hebrews, we see a network of little Hebrew house churches. In each one of these house churches, they're actually in in a situation that's similar to the situation that we're in right now. The church is in a hard time. They're feeling social pressure that's mounting against them, and they're, they're actually receiving threats to their physical safety. They're finding themselves afraid to go in public or to gather together. The people who are in these churches are increasingly separated, disillusioned, isolated. They've even started to wonder, should we still meet together? The, the church in Hebrews, it needs hope, and then they need to know how to hold on to that hope. And so this letter, the letter to the Hebrews was written to those Hebrew churches and it reminds us all what to do in a shaken world. So open up to Hebrews chapter 10 and we're going to look at verses 23 through 25. And this is what it says. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I love the way the author starts off so directly saying, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed for he who promised is faithful. The author starts right off saying, when the pressure mounts, 
When we wonder if faith is is just a, a concept for fair weather days, remember, God is the only sure thing we have in this shaken world. He's the provider. He hears every prayer. He never leaves us. He never forgets us. He hasn't forgotten you. And you can hold unswervingly to that hope. It means don't bend to the left or to the right. Hold on to it. Don't be shaken by a shaken world. Because he who promises is faithful. And you hear that. And you might say, amen. Because all of it's true. But honestly, I feel like I've heard that message before 20 times. And I'm not really surprised to hear, to hear a talk, to hear that the author of Hebrews says that we should hold on to hope when it gets world. That's not surprising to me. What is surprising to me, though, is that the author doesn't stop there. Because just saying the words, hold on to hope, isn't enough when the world is shaken. We have to know how do we hold on to hope. How do we protect each other from despair? And this, this is where the gold is today. This is what our focus is today. This is what I hope that you remember. The author here in Hebrews doesn't stop with the words of hope because just hearing words of hope isn't enough. The author tells us what to do next, how to hold on to hope. So let's read it again. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed for we profess for he who promises is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How do we hold on to hope? We grab a friend and we hold on to hope together. How do we hold on to hope? We move from social isolation to connection. How do we hold on to hope we find connection with a mission? Now look, there are many kinds of, of, many kinds of uh, friendships, relationships, connections. Uh, you could have shopping buddies or playground friends. You might have sports friends or running friends, class friends. All those are good. But what we're, we're seeing here is a different kind of friendship. The letter to the Hebrew churches is describing a unique, specialized, focus relationship. The, the clue uh, for, for understanding these kinds of friendships is in one word that's in the middle of this verse. And the word is this, spur. Consider how we may spur one another on. Spur, what's that about? Now, good news, I'm from Texas. And I know, I know you're jealous, but it's okay because I speak Texan. So for me, I see the word spur. And as a Texan, I know obviously this means we're all supposed to wear spurs to church. You need some church spurs. So to help you out, because I'm kind and we're kind in Texas, I'm going to give you a link in the notes section on where you can buy your good church spurs. Make sure they're good church spurs. No, not really. As, as cool as I think you would all look in spurs, we should probably break this down a little bit further, right? So I did some homework. And the Greek word here, I love it. It means to motivate. It means to encourage. It's, it's an active word. It's not a passive word. It's actively inciting movement in somebody. Literally, the definition of this word is the act of stirring up emotions and feelings and responses in someone. Stirring up emotions, feelings, and responses. Hear this in context. How do we hold on to hope? Well, we hold on to hope together in two-way relationships that stir us up so that we are never the same. Two-way relationships that incite us to hold on to hope. We get in connections with a mission. 
I was reading this and thinking this week about this friend that I have named Joel. And I realized that Joel is one of those different kind of connections for me. When I talk with Joel, my heart is, is moved, moved to care about things differently. God uses his words to stir up my emotions, my mind, my actions. And sometimes the spur in my life from him is easy to hear. Sometimes it's hard to hear, but always I'm different because of the relationship. And I think he is too. If you want to stand strong in a shaken world, we have to hold on to hope. And to do that, we get in a stirred up circle, circle where we propel each other toward the way of God. Now, these circles can look really different from each other. Some people have stirred up small groups, and that's great mentors or stirred up spouses, family members. But there are two marks of every Hebrews 10.24 stirred up circle. Two marks. And and here's the first mark. Hebrews 10.24 says this, to spur one another on toward love. Now this word love kind of makes me laugh because our culture and our language, we've really simplified the word love. We've turned it into, into just a hashtag or, or maybe we water it down. I, I think that I use the word love to describe my love for Chipotle and the love I have for my mom. Uh, but this letter, the letter to the Hebrew churches, is describing a different kind of love. It's saying that stirred up relationships compel us to love like Jesus. Oh, Jesus' love. I've experienced that love in some profound ways in my life. I don't have to think long to remember how Jesus saw my brokenness. My mess saw me try to cover it up, how ashamed I was. And he didn't wait for me to get cleaned up and love him. Jesus actually loves me first. In my authentic brokenness and mess, that's the love of Jesus for me and for you. The first mark of these Hebrews 10.24 connections is that we love each other like Jesus loves us. It's that we show the authentic mess of our life to each other, that we get honest about our flaws and our brokenness. And we let that other person love us like Jesus and and we love them like Jesus. And then the love of Jesus doesn't stop with just our friends. We push each other. We keep pushing to love our family, to love our neighbors, to love our coworkers, to even love our enemies, all like Jesus loves them. To stand strong in a shaken world We need relationships that compel us to love everyone always, just like Jesus loves everyone always. Look, guys, this isn't easy. Authenticity is hard. Loving like Jesus loved is hard. So we encourage each other. We push, we motivate, we spur each other on. Can I ask you today, are you in a stirred up circle that pushes you to love like Jesus? Remember, there are two marks of these stirred up relationships. First, they compel us to love like Jesus. And then here's the second mark. Think of Hebrews 10, 24. It says, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Hebrews 10, 24 connections, they propel each other to put love in action, to show our love through our deeds. Stirred up relationships compel us to serve like Jesus. You look at Jesus' life, And you see that he was constantly looking at how to serve others. 
He wasn't focused on himself or on his troubles. He was constantly focused on others, looking at how he could serve others at his own expense. I think about how Jesus served me and you on the cross. He loved us first. In all of our authentic mess, he loved us first. And then he put his love in action. And he served us by taking our brokenness upon himself and going to the cross on our behalf. He served us at his expense. This is the gospel. So see this. These relationships, that they force us to take our eyes off of ourselves. These connections compel us to live out the gospel. They, they move us to see others, to feel the need of others, and to really look at how we could serve others at our expense. Can I ask you, are you in a stirred up circle that compels you to love like Jesus and compels you to serve like Jesus? These relationships they're powerful. They facilitate the work of God in our life. They, they help us hold on to hope. They change us from the inside out. They're powerful and they're hard. Because honestly, being changed is hard. And because they're hard, when the world gets crazy around us, it's pretty tempting to let these relationships fade. But don't do it. Don't give up. The passage here, it wraps up in Hebrews 10.25 and says, don't give up meeting together. As some of you are in the habit of doing uh, this crisis, it may have taken a scalpel to your schedule, or you may find yourself busier than ever. But if you want to hold on to hope in a shaken world, we can't give up on our Hebrews 10.24 connections. We hold on to hope together. Now, right now, you might be thinking, look, Matt, this is all really great in theory, and I appreciate the work that you did on this thing, but seriously, I don't have time for this. <laughs> and I get it. It's really hard for me, too. Uh, this last week, I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and he meets every week with this group of guys. And as he talks about them, you can tell quickly, it's one of those Hebrews 10:24 stirred-up circles. But when the stay-at-home order came, my friend said, yeah, honestly, Matt, I just wanted to bail on it for a little while. It was tough. I just wanted to bail. And he said that quickly in his mind, three excuses came forward about why he should just bail on the group. First, he said he thought to himself, I'm just going to wait it out. I mean, I'm exhausted. This group really isn't all that important. And really, his second excuse, it's a Zoom call with a bunch of guys sharing prayer requests and struggles. I mean, that's the definition of awkward. And then his third excuse that he told himself, he said, honestly, Matt, I just didn't feel like it. I could think of a ton of other things that I'd rather do than, than do that Zoom call. And then he says that he was reminded. He was reminded that you hold on to hope by staying in a stirred up circle. He realized that he can't give up on this. He said, Matt, I can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, especially right now. He said, I realized if, if I want the life God has for me, I need this group. And connection on a Zoom call is better than no connection at all. And then he said this, and, and this has really stuck with me all week long. He said, if you want the life that God wants for you, you can't wait until you feel like it. Sometimes you just have to do the things that you know are going to bring you life. 
You can't force your feelings, but your feelings will follow your focus. Sometimes we just have to make the decision to do what we know will lead to life, even if we don't feel like it. And then we just, we just watch. We watch how God moves as we're obedient. And so he did it. At 8.30 on a Sunday night in the guest bedroom of his room on a Zoom call with a bunch of awkward guys <laughs> sharing authentically, talking about where they're struggling, praying, pushing, challenging, spurring each other on to hold on to hope, to love like Jesus, to serve like Jesus. And he told me, Matt, we're, we're standing strong together. And I can't imagine not being in this circle right now. Willow, it's worth fighting through the barriers to find the life that God has for you. So as I wrap up, can I just ask you today, what's your next step? How can you move from social isolation to connection with the mission? Do you have a stirred up circle? Who's in it? Is it a friend? Is it a family member? Is it a mentor, a spouse, a small group? I've got a small group. And we're on our way to being one of those groups that has connection with a mission. We're growing toward it. But it takes intentionality to get there. Maybe you don't have one of those connections. But maybe you say, I've got a good friendship. It's a regular friendship, but it's a good friendship. Great. What can you do this week to turn that regular friendship into a Hebrews 10.24 friendship? Set up the phone call. Send the text. Be authentic. Let them love you like Jesus, and you love them in return. Live out the gospel of Jesus together. And if you already have one of those connections with a mission, great. This week, how can you serve like Jesus? How can you serve each other? How can you live out the gospel? How can you serve your neighborhood at your own expense? Maybe you're new today. Maybe you're new today and your next step is just simply connecting with one of our pastors. Maybe it's hopping in a digital small group. In all of these, I'll say this, please don't wait to act on a decision that you know will lead to the life that God wants for you. In all of these Take the step and watch God work. Our world is shaken, so let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for these connections that, that push us to live out the gospel. We want to live it out but we can't do it without you. God, thank you for loving us first and all of our brokenness. Thank you. And thank you for serving us on the cross. Thank you. God, as we attempt to live this out in relationship, God, would you guide us and would you lead us? And in all of it, would you be glorified because you are our God. We pray this together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Blessings, everybody.